When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code Gators on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your my bookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gators for more. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC at Gators Breakdown. Coming at you right here to preview Florida and Vanderbilt, the three and two Gators and the two and four Vanderbilt Commodores. Man, this was a, would have been a little bit bigger had Florida not uh, wet the bed uh, last week versus Kentucky. So now kind of rebound mode. Uh, for the Gators against a, uh, a Vanderbilt team that uh, Florida should beat. Uh, but that was the case last year as well, right? So uh, hopefully everything kind of coming together for a rebound, right frame of mind, right state of mind for these Gators to have a performance at home where Florida does, of course, play better. Uh, but the last home performance, 22 points versus Charlotte, uh, not a lot of uh, – and this that was the week before what we saw last week uh, against Kentucky. So – you know, where is this team at? I think we will learn a lot about this team uh, on Saturday. So like, subscribe, hit that like button, smash that like button right here on YouTube. Everybody, thanks for uh, hopping on live uh, right now. Just wasn't sure when I was going to be able to get to this episode and put it out there live, but uh, had, to be, had, to, had to be a dad do some homework. Uh, with, with my daughter tonight so uh, uh, life gets in the way sometimes i know the same for you out there as well so like that uh hit the like button subscribe get those notifications when we go live leave a comment your support out there really really helps gators breakdown gatorsbreakdown.com up today billy napier's sec teleconference uh press conference tonight as well i'll uh summarize that put that up there for you guys later on as well you can find that at gatorsbreakdown.com uh, Gators Breakdown Plus, you can listen to the uh, SEC teleconference that's on there uh, as well. Get access to that Discord server, all the extra features there. Ad-free episodes, of course, of Gators Breakdown. You get with Gators Breakdown Plus membership. And then uh, probably on Thursday this week, hosting a chat there with Gators Breakdown Plus members. So join. Link is in the description. Become a member of Gators Breakdown Plus. All right, let's get to it, guys. Three and two Gators, two and four Vanderbilt Commodores. Let's get to the depth chart first. Uh, for the Gators, a little surprising uh, when you look at the injury report for the Gators. That's where we'll go first because that's the headline uh, of what we uh, see here uh, for the Gators. And Austin Barber, questionable along the offensive line. Uh, Bowman at receiver, questionable. Uh, Austin Barber, questionable with a lower body injury. Uh, Ty Bowman, lower body injury as well. He's questionable. Caleb Douglas is out, of course. Kingsley Aguak in the center, still listed on the injury report. Uh, of course, he came back versus Kentucky last week. He's still questionable with a lower body injury. And then the big surprise uh, came out here with the depth chart. Running back Trevor Etienne is listed as questionable with an upper body injury. So I haven't heard. That was a little bit of a surprise when the depth chart came out. Um, if it would have been really serious, I think we would have definitely heard that by now. Uh, Billy Napier would not shed any light on it too much in the press conference, so we're going to have to wait till Saturday to see. I think we learned last week to 
you know, depth chart is not written in stone by any means. And sometimes it means a whole lot. Sometimes it doesn't mean a whole lot. So uh, when you go back last week, you know, Trey Wilson, Eugene Wilson, the receiver was listed as a starter on the depth chart, didn't play versus Kentucky. Uh, so we'll see. We'll, we'll have to wait till Saturday. Maybe, maybe something will kind of sneak out maybe between here and there. Uh, certainly after I record this episode, we'll kind of follow up where I can and see if I can get some more info. But Trevor Etienne, uh, big surprise here on the depth chart listed as questionable with an upper body injury. Uh, Miguel Mitchell, lower body injury, safety there, of course. Um, he's listed as questionable. He's also listed as a starter on the depth chart. Jonathan Odom out with an upper body injury. Jamarcus Weston still out as well with an upper body injury. Dante Zanders, lower body questionable. So uh, tight end taking a little bit of a hit as well, uh, as well as the offensive line. Of course, Austin Barber, Kingsley Aguak, and we'll have to wait and see what their status is uh, on Saturday. But, hey, that's been an issue for the Gators dating back to spring, fall camp as well, or the injuries along the offensive line. Well, I asked Billy Napier, I didn't even know about Kingsley or Austin Barber being on the depth chart and questionable. Of course, Kingsley, we knew that. Mazuka going through his injury in the spring, coming back in fall. Um, Hudson with uh, the concussion he had in, in camp as well. And, you know, I asked Billy Napier about that today, of the difficulty of the fighting through the injuries along the offensive line. When you assess the offensive line, how much of the issues can be put on all the injuries that happen in spring and fall camp and not having the reps with your, quote-unquote, your starting five or the same five up to this point? You know, I do think continuity is important with that unit, right? If you can have the same five and the same roles and there can be chemistry, there's a lot of communication. There's a ton of work relative to the, you know, combination blocks. Things happen fast in there, right? So um, one of the things that we've lacked so far this year is continuity up front, right? So, and we do have some tough guys, you know, that have, been banged up, uh, maybe been limited throughout the week, but have played and showed some toughness and some grit. Uh, but we're hopeful that at some point here we can settle in and these guys can get healthy and we can have some continuity up front. I do think that could benefit our team. Yeah, so it's been pretty difficult up front for Florida to get the starting five, the same five up there. I think I do think that's affected. I still question the ceiling of this offensive line. Uh, not it has not played anywhere near the level I thought they could play uh, this year. Is that part of it? I'm I'm sure it is. Uh, are they better than what they've shown? Quite possibly they are uh, when they can get the five out there and those guys get a lot of reps. I mean they're not. If ball, if if Barber's been questionable in practice, if Kingsley's questionable, how much are they even getting the practice reps together? much less the game reps together. So, uh, you know, fly, you see it in the preseason all the time. Rob Sale will come and do his press conference, you know, once, twice a year, and he wears the hat that says five equals one. Uh, well, we, we know that's what Billy Napier just explained right there of how important it is. Uh, so if certainly that is an issue. Um, hopefully, Barber's out there. Hopefully, Aguacan's out there. You know, two that should be the starting five of this offensive line. Hopefully, they're out there practicing this week. Hopefully, they'll be in the game this week as well. Uh, it would sting for Kingsley to you know, kind of have a you know, flip-flop, be available in some games and not be available uh, in other games and kind of really hurting the, the reps that this team needs together uh, up front to hopefully get this offensive line in sync a bit and get in sync with the run game and the running backs at the same time. So, look, it's not just the uh, – the five offensive linemen. It is getting in sync with the running game and the running backs at the same time. So uh, good stuff there from Billy Napier uh, of talking about uh, the continuity of the offensive line and how the injuries have really affected them uh, there. So uh, going through, I, I saw Harrison in the chat. Sorry, their little 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 uh, itchy nose issue. Um, any reason Kimber still starting over more? I mean, I, I'll, I'll see what it looks like Saturday. For all we know, more will be out there on the first play. Um Look, I yeah, haven't had much of an issue with Kimber up until last week in the beginning of that Kentucky game, and that was that, that was pretty sad uh, there. But for the most part, um, and mostly that's for the for the defense, honestly, for the whole defense besides uh, the the uh, Kentucky game, they've looked good. Uh, so I don't want to make too much of one game. Hopefully, they bounce back this week. But uh, that goes along if you want to zoom into a position group, you know, Kimber and Moore as well, uh, of course. Fordham plays them both uh, a, a lot, so we'll kind of see where that goes. So, uh, I'll, it does say or on the depth chart. Uh, so we'll, well, I think we'll see. We'll, we'll see where it goes there if it's Kimber or more. Probably just one of those things we will have to wait and see 
uh, when, when when we when we get to Saturday. Uh, let's see. So I'll start at the top of the depth chart once again. Trey Wilson, Eugene Wilson is listed as a starter on the depth chart. He's not listed at all in the injury report. We'll see what that means uh, this week. Of course, looked like he was going to be available last week. Billy Napier said they made a decision not to play him. Um, even though you know, he, he was ready to play, it does look like uh, maybe possibly not cleared uh, by the health team there at, at Florida. Uh, so we'll see what that means. If he's on the field this Saturday, uh, maybe the Gators can open up the offense a little bit more uh, with Wilson. We saw it first half of the Tennessee game. The best this offense has looked all season is when Trey Wilson has been on the field. Um, east, west, stretching defenses, not necessarily stretching them down the field, which we want to see as well. Uh, but with getting Wilson on the field, that is the best the offense has looked all season. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Marcus Burke, Aiden Mizell listed at receiver as well at, at that spot. Uh, Khalil Jackson listed as a starter to go along with Andy Jean, who I really expect his role to expand. Billy Napier even said so this week as well, especially with Caleb Douglas going down. So expect a bigger role from Andy Jean. And then Ricky Pearsall, of course, uh, Jaquavion Frazier's uh, at the receiver spots as well. Austin Barber still listed as a starter and in the injury report. So we'll see what that means for the Gators. Barber at left tackle, Richie Leonard at left guard, Kingsley at center. Same thing uh, with him in the injury report. Listed as a starter at center. Mike Mazuka, right guard. Damian George, right tackle. Cam Waits is still listed right there uh, behind Damian George at right tackle. Hayden Hanson, Arliss Boardingham. That's your top two tight ends for now. Uh, and Mertz. And then, of course, that running back, Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne, who is questionable, Trayon Webb. So what does that mean for um, Webb uh, as well? If Etienne's going to be limited, Maybe even out, he is questionable. So there is the possibility ETN just doesn't play on Saturday. Uh, means a lot more reps for true freshman Trayon Webb. So we'll see uh, where, where that comes from the Gators run game uh, as well. So we go to the defensive side of the ball. Nothing really outstanding there. Uh, most of what we've seen uh, this year at the F, Tyreek Sapp, nose tackle, Cam Jackson, backed up by Jamari Lyons, Desmond Watson uh, at N, Caleb Banks, Chris McClellan, or Chris McClellan, Princely at Jack. Linebacker Scooby Williams, linebacker Shamar James. At Sam, we got Manny Nunnery, Jaden Hill at star, Jason Marshall, one cornerback spot, Jalen Kimber or Devin Moore at the other spot, Jordan Castell or Moten or Bryce Thornton at safety. Miguel Mitchell is listed at the other safety as a starter, uh, but is on the injury report as well as questionable. He's backed up by Bryce Thornton. So, all right, there we go. There's uh, and nothing special teams wise. Trace Mack is still going to be your kickoff and your place kicker uh, there for the Gators. Crawshaw at punter. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Now, I, I was about to gloss over special teams, but I shouldn't have since Trevor Etienne is listed as questionable. Do they limit him off of kickoff returns? I mean, look, there hasn't been many that year this year anyway. Uh, would it be somebody else back there uh, at kickoff return? Also listed on the depth chart, if it's not ETN, you do have listed Jason Marshall, Montreal Johnson, and Mickey Pearsall. Uh, Pearsall and ETN also listed as the punt returns. That's mainly been Pearsall. Not really too impressed so far yet. Let too many uh, passes or let too many pumps just drop, uh, not catching them. They'll get bounce, adds yards to Florida where they want to start the offensive drive. Uh, I'd love to see Pearsall come up and start catching a lot more punts. Uh, when you look at what he's been able to do at punt return so far. So I was about to gloss over special teams, but there is a storyline there, uh, whichever ETN being limited. And of course, uh, the ongoing saga, hopefully Trey Smack picks that up. All right, so let's get to the game. Vanderbilt right here, as I mentioned, two and four on the season. Let's go through their schedule right quick. A 35 to 28 win to start the season over Hawaii in week zero. Uh, and then a 47-14 win over Alabama A&M the week after that. So that's their two wins. 35-28 over Hawaii, 47-14 over Alabama A&M. And then now a four-game losing streak for Vanderbilt. A 36-20 loss to Wake Forest. Then a 40-37 defeat at the hands of UNLV. Then get into conference play. Kentucky beats Vanderbilt 45-28. And then last week... Vanderbilt goes down to Missouri 38 to 21. Take a look at a stat comparison here for Vanderbilt and Florida. 
And you'll notice uh, there's some things that, that stand out uh, right there. Let me pull them up on my end so I can see them a little bit better. I have to get my screen a little small to fit everything <laughs> I got going on here. But, all right, total offense. Look at Vanderbilt total offense there, guys. 83rd in the country in total offense. They are worse than Florida on offense. Vanderbilt with the 83rd total offense in the country going against the 13th total defense in Florida. It was a bad week last week for Florida, but most of the stats still looking good for the Gators. And now get a favorable matchup. Vanderbilt 83rd in the country, 371 yards a game. Florida giving up 275 a game. Once again, the 13th total defense for Florida going against the 83rd in the country, Vanderbilt. Florida total offense, 68th in the country. Going against the 108th ranked defense in the country. So Florida total offense, 68th. Vanderbilt total defense, 108th. Florida total offense, 392 yards a game. Vanderbilt is giving up 408 yards a game. Scoring offense for Vanderbilt, they're 56th in the country. So that's a little odd. You see, there's a, a difference there. Total offense, as far as yardage goes, you're getting they're getting more points out of it than you probably would think. They're 83rd in total offense, but they're 56 in scoring offense. So Florida's got a better total offense, at least by yards, but where it point counts in points, it's not translating as well as Vanderbilt's is. You know, Florida scoring offense tied for 93rd in the country at 25 points a game. Vanderbilt at 31 points a game. Florida's played a lot better defenses, so let's start there first. Both teams have played Kentucky. Vanderbilt scored more. Turnovers played a factor in that game as well. Uh, so do keep that in mind. Uh, but you know, at, at the same time, scoring offense for Vanderbilt, 31 points a game. Florida giving up 17 points a game this year. They're the 25th scoring defense for the Gators going against the 56th scoring offense against Vanderbilt. Rushing offense, Vandy, 121st in the country, rushing for 97.3 yards a game. That's going to be welcome sight after Florida and what they gave up on the ground last week. Florida's rushing defense fell after that performance against Kentucky, now 60th in the country, going against the 121st ranked rushing offense. So Vanderbilt rushing, as I said, for 97 yards a game. Florida giving up 131 a game. Last week, big factor in that. <laughs> so throw the numbers off a little bit. Vandy passing offense, 36 in the country, so very respectable. And some of that is they're fighting from behind in some of these games. Uh, and you know, they're having to put some points up against Vanderbilt and Missouri the last, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, but they're still a better passing team than they are a rushing team anyway. You see the rushing stats. They're throwing for 274 yards a game while rushing for 97. That passing offense is 36 in the country, going against the Gators defense that is third in the country. And first in the SEC, by the way. Passing defense, the Gators are giving up 144 yards a game. Vanderbilt is throwing for 274 yards a game. So something's got to give there. I like the matchup, the athletic matchup for Florida there, uh, of course. Uh, so, But that's what you got to watch out for. Uh, for Vanderbilt. I mean, the passing efficiency is where it really hurts. The passing offense, they are passing for a lot of yards, but the efficiency is not there for Vanderbilt. 75th in the country when you look at their passing efficiency. Passing efficiency defense for the Gators, 33rd in the country. So a favorable matchup, even though it is somewhat better for Vanderbilt to pass than run, the matchup still favors Florida in that regard. But then total defense for Vandy, as I mentioned, 108th in the country, 115th in scoring defense. Rushing defense, now we want to see this Gator ground game get going. Vanderbilt gives up 147 yards a game, 148 yards a game in rushing defense. That's tied for 85th in the country, going against the 81st rushing offense in the, in, in the Gators. So about even there. I mean, if, if you look at this, Florida should at least get about 140 yards on the ground. If, Vander, if you want to compare Florida's average on the ground versus what Vanderbilt has given up on the ground, you're about at that 145 mark. Once again, Florida's played some really good defenses in Tennessee, who they did take advantage of until the second half. Kentucky, Utah plays a factor. These things will start filtering out as we get further along in the season. 
And then Florida's passing offense, 57th in the country, going against the 111th ranked pass defense in the country in Vanderbilt. So Florida's offense, passing offense, 57th in the country, 247 yards a game, going against Vandy's defense, giving up 261 yards a game. That's good for 111th in the country. So turnover margin for Vandy, not great. Tied for 101st, Florida's 113th. But Vandy does take the ball away. They just give the ball away at the, you know, pretty, pretty well as well. So when, you got, when you're tied for 24th in the country with nine takeaways, but your turnover margin got you tied for 101st, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's tricky. You know, if Vanderbilt could just top, stop turning the ball over themselves, they might be winning more of these games that they've had some close calls against, like Wake Forest and UNLV. Closer game versus a and or uh, Kentucky and Missouri. Uh, but there you go. That's pretty much, uh, if you want to look at it, sacks per game, Vanderbilt tied for 95th in the country. Florida's 109th in the country. Neither team really pressuring the quarterback all that much, getting sacks. Uh, tackles for loss, Vandy, 67th in the country, uh, 35 on the season, about six a game. Florida's only getting about five a game uh, when you look at that there. So still an overall favorable matchup. Favorable matchup there for the Gators when you want to take a look at the stats. So we'll get into some matchups. We'll get into some matchups of this game. But before we do, everybody, of course, it's time to go bet some football. NFL, college ball. You get this brand new cash-out system at MyBookie that gives you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs, if you parlay hit, well, you know what? Now there's an option. You can cash out early, place another bet, or you can let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join us at MyBookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boost, same-game parlays, huge prize pool contest. Right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code GATERS on your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's promo code GATERS to claim your own cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at MyBookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. With 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, AG1 is formulated to support whole body health, raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. It replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more in one simple, daily, drinkable habit. I start my day with drinking AG1 and, hey, look, pair it with exercise and diet, getting sleep. I'm ready to tackle these busy days of football season. My focus is at peak performance. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So try AG1. You get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gators. That's drinkag1.com slash gators to check it out. All right, guys, let's go. And as I said, Vanderbilt matchups right here. Much better passing the ball than they are running. And after last week's performance for Florida against Kentucky, we'll see how the Florida defense responds. And if Vanderbilt will try to incorporate more of the gap scheme, the counters that into their game plan that really, really hurt Florida. You know, Kentucky didn't show as much of it, but they identified something on film in preparation for Florida um, that they thought they could take advantage of. They were able to. Florida wasn't able to adjust as, as much in-game as they needed to. Vanderbilt, it's already in their arsenal. Not as much as we saw last week with Kentucky, but you can best bet after Kentucky did that last week, Vanderbilt's going to try and run more of it, make sure Florida has practiced it all week to see if they can stop it. But you can best bet Vanderbilt's going to give it a try. So, But look, this is a Vanderbilt team that ran for one and a half yards a carry against Hawaii. Their best performance on the season, Alabama A&M, 6.6 yards a carry. A respectable four and a half against Wake Forest, but the last three games haven't been all that great. 2.2 yards a carry versus UNLV. 3.6 against Kentucky. And then 2.1 versus Missouri. 
So it has not been pretty. They have not been able to run the ball at all. At least Kentucky had shown that they could, they, they, they could run the ball. Not to the extent that they ran it on Florida, but you knew that was something you're going to have to worry about. Things would have to change drastically for Vanderbilt to run the ball on Florida. On the other side, they give up, if you want to go to the other side of the ball, they give up 351 yards in the air to Hawaii, 276 to UNLV, 395 yards last week to Brady Cook in Missouri. Wake Forest was able to go for six yards a carry. Kentucky went for 5.2 a carry. So some really bad performances on both sides of the ball for Vanderbilt. So there is a little bit of a question of who will start at quarterback for Vanderbilt this week. Ken Seals came in last week in relief of A.J. Swan. And Clark Lee, Swan was available, but was designated either the starting quarterback or backup quarterback, but he was not designated. They didn't give him a designation for starting quarterback or backup quarterback for the Missouri game. He is dealing with an injury. Swan had started every game up until last week against Missouri. And he's turned the ball over a lot. So that led to Ken Seals getting his opportunity. Seals last week, 259 yards, a pair of touchdowns, while collecting a rushing touchdown in his first start since 2021 against Kentucky. So Seals did a better job than Swan with game management. Swan has a stronger arm, more mobility, the qualities you would want in a quarterback. He was supposed to take this big leap this year, but he needed to improve in the decision-making. That hasn't been there yet. He's turned the ball over a lot. So Seals kind of calmed down the offense for Vanderbilt last week, but doesn't have the overall playmaking ability of Swan. So Seals comes in a little more manageable but not the ceiling of A.J. Swan. So right now it's unclear where Swan is uh, on his injury. I did, I meant to pull it up on my phone here. There was a press conference today um, and where Clark Lee did discuss, and he says, we're taking it day by day here, Lee said, and obviously we know that we've got two guys that are capable of doing it. I think, again, we're always going to be paying attention to A.J.'s health first. And then through the week of practice, just make a decision when we feel like it's best for the team. And obviously, it makes no sense for me to make a decision on Tuesday. So that was yesterday. I'm sorry. Uh, so we'll hold off on anything definitive as the week goes. So gamesmanship, not really going to let Florida know who's the starting quarterback is going to be <laughs> this week. Uh, but he did say, I think we did find a rhythm offensively on Saturday. I do think we found some spirit offensively in the attitude we played with. So it sounds like Clark Lee, Vanderbilt's head coach, was pretty happy well, what he saw from Ken Seals last week. So that is a storyline to watch. It's not written in stone who the starting quarterback for Vanderbilt's going to be. So uh, Swan, he injured his elbow against UNLV in week three, tried to play through it in week four. So he was playing against Kentucky injured, uh, but not a good performance. He was just 16 of 40 versus Kentucky, 189 yards, three interceptions in that game. So you can see why if he's injured, if he's turning the ball over, they weren't going to play him. Ken Seals comes in last week, plays admirably uh, for Vanderbilt in the loss to Missouri. So, and two of those touchdowns Swan threw were returned for touchdowns. So, they were very, very detrimental in that game versus Kentucky. Um, so, that's it. Uh, Walter Taylor is another quarterback. He's a third string quarterback. So, could he be elevated to second string? Six foot seven left hander quarterback. Uh, very strong arm. And, but Lee. After the Missouri game, says he intends to have more packages for Taylor, but it's unclear what those will be. He did get one Wildcat package from Missouri. So could another quarterback for Vanderbilt get snaps in this game? So something to look at is the quarterback position for Vanderbilt and who they play. Uh, and it could not be Swan, could be Seals, who played last week, and now backup quarterback Walter Taylor if Last week's any indication? The Wildcat snap? We'll see. You know, Vanderbilt's kind of leaning. They want to see some packages for him. Uh, but of course, you got to start incorporating multiple quarterbacks for an offense that's still figuring some things out. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe going back to the Utah game, they see something where they can play another quarterback there, but more of a, more of a strong armed. Very raw quarterback is Walter Taylor. So watch out for him. 
but the problem start up front for Vanderbilt. Uh, offensive line struggles, uh, experimented with different options, much like Florida in some ways. Uh, against Missouri, um, Bradley Ashmore started at right tackle. Kivo Wesley, Gage Pitchford, two guard spots. Um, Gunnar Hansen, Julian Hernandez are the only spots. Hansen at left tackle, Hernandez at center are the only two spots they've stayed at the same throughout the whole season. So a lot of movement along Vanderbilt's offensive line as well. Injuries haven't helped. They've been dealing with some injuries. That's led to, to, to some inconsistent availability for them, much like Florida in that regard as well. So uh, we'll see. You know, That's where the issues start for up front for Vanderbilt, not being able to get that run game going. Uh, and it's mostly because they're dealing with the uh, rotations and the shuffling around of their offensive line. It's really, really struggled uh, in being able to get that run, bl- run blocking going. So, of course, Vanderbilt, their playmakers at wide receiver. And, of course, the highlight, Will Shepard. Uh, Shepard became the Commodores' sixth all-time to reach 20 career receiving touchdowns. Uh, he had a touchdown reception against Missouri. He's tied for fourth. With four touchdowns from matching, um, he's tied for fourth, and that's four touchdowns from matching Jordan Matthews, a program record for Missouri, uh, for Vanderbilt. So, Shepard, right up there with Jordan Matthews, I think if you watch Vanderbilt long enough, that's a name you remember. So, Shepard caught multiple touchdowns in Vanderbilt's first three games of the season. He is the first Vanderbilt player since at least 1996 to record three consecutive games with two or more touchdown receptions. Now, this is one for you. This is at Vanderbilt. And when you hear these names, it'll turn some heads. He is the fifth player in the SEC to record three straight games with multiple touchdown receptions in the same season since 2019, joining Jayon Hyatt of Tennessee last year, Devontae Smith from Alabama, Terrace Marshall from LSU, and Jamar Chase at LSU. He is up there with those guys in the SEC. He's the fifth player, one more time, to record three straight games with multiple touchdown receptions in the same season. That's illustrious company he finds himself in, and that's at Vanderbilt. We know that Tennessee high-flying offense last year. Devontae Smith in 2020. Marshall and Chase with LSU in 2019. And you got to put Will Shepard along with those names. So there's, I mean, there's your weapon. So that's well, he's one reason that passing offense of Vanderbilt can get going. Across all of college football, Shepard is a ninth player to record three straight games with multiple touchdown receptions in the same season. Uh, freshman wide receiver, they got some they got some weapons at receiver. So this could be a, a good a good test for you know Florida's defensive backs, I think. Freshman wide receiver London Humphreys, who was named the SEC freshman of the week after the Wake Forest game. Had his second straight 100-yard performance at UNLV as he caught three passes for 102 yards in that game and a touchdown. Humphreys is first in the SEC and fourth nationally among freshmen in total receiving yards this season. First in the SEC and fourth nationally among freshmen in total receiving yards this season. Now, they did have played one more game. They played in week zero, but still, at Vanderbilt, you got Will Shepard playing along with you. First in the SEC and fourth nationally among freshmen. I mean, we expected maybe a Florida receiver, a, f- a freshman Florida receiver maybe to be in that category. Humphreys, 24.9 yards per catch. is tops in the SEC and fifth in FBS. So they got some options at receiver. You can't give them time to throw. You can't allow them to pick you apart. They got, they, they got some options at receiver. So... Florida's got, at least got to be ready for the passing. I, I don't think the run game will be much of a factor in this at all. It's going to be big time to see if this Florida run game, this run defense, bounces back. You know Vanderbilt's going to try some of the things Kentucky tried. So stay in your gap, stay disciplined, tackle. You know, that was when we did previews in the past, in years past, that was like every episode thing it, when we looked at previews. Tackling hadn't been much of an issue until last week, but you can best bet Kentucky or Vanderbilt saw some things. They're going to test Florida, make sure they're ready to tackle, make sure they're ready to be physical, and then now stay in your gaps, play the way you're supposed to, play smart, sound football that we had seen the first four games of the year. Florida needs to get back to that. 
And they're going to do that. Their top two running backs, Patrick Smith, Cedric Ale- or Sarah Alexander, both average about four yards a carry. So not a lot there for Vandy. Uh, it would have to be Florida having a massive disappointment of a day for Vanderbilt to get the run game going. So stop the run, make Vandy predictable. And that's, that's usually what's held their passing game in check. They got options, but they can't run the ball. So it becomes so one-dimensional that it becomes easier to stop that passing game. You can't allow the run game to get going and then they're able to build on it in the passing game. They just have to rely on the passing game and those weapons at receiver. It can be limited. They've had trouble having to pass and needing to pass. Other side of the ball for Vanderbilt before we wrap up here, C.J. Taylor at the, what they call their anchor position. This is like a rover position, more of a safety there for Taylor. Leads a team in 40 tackles. Uh, leads with five and a half for loss as well. Tally the career and team high 10 tackles at Wake Forest, including two sacks in that game as well. Led the team with nine tackles in the season opener versus Hawaii. Uh, John House of fourth, and I got to get this name right. I'm going to try my best here. Jeffrey Ugachukwu. I think I got it right, guys. Um, but House and Ugachukwu each had an interception against Kentucky. Vanderbilt's defense has had multiple picks in a game twice this season and have seven total interceptions of the year. That is second in the SEC and 11th in FBS. So if Graham Mertz is not ready to play, if him and the receivers are not on the same page, if there's anything going wrong in the Florida passing game, Vanderbilt can take advantage. Vanderbilt can pick you off. Second the SEC already, seven total interceptions this year. They can make you pay if you're not ready to go in the passing game. Uh, Dariki Wright, also two picks on the year. So there you go. I mean, what can this Florida passing game do to get in sync if they're not in sync? Hopefully Vanderbilt's not going to be taking advantage of that. I mean, that's the only way I think they're going to win this game is for Florida to have these turnovers, for Vanderbilt to continue to get interceptions. The only two picks this year for Mertz against you. I mean, they've kind of somewhat been fluky. They haven't really necessarily been your traditional interceptions that you've seen. They definitely haven't been down the field. They've been short passes that have been picked off. Pearsall against Utah. Boardingham last week versus Kentucky. It's not like you know, Mertz is throwing to the defenders. It's been timing issue with Pearsall versus Utah. Throwing to a Boardingham who probably should have caught it or at least caught it enough to where it's batted down uh, instead of tipping the ball up and letting it get picked versus Kentucky. So, But Kentucky, very, very fortunate in getting interceptions this year. But given this, they still really struggled stopping the pass. You know, Florida should have a balanced attack. Would signal even more issues if the Florida offense can't have success in either run or pass. You'd love to have success in both. But even with those seven interceptions, I mean, one more time, Vanderbilt's 111th in the country in pass defense. 261 yards a game. So they're fortunate, much like Florida last year, remember how... Florida were able to create turnovers, even with a bad defense. It kind of kept them in games. They were able to keep getting turnovers. Kind of very similar here for Vanderbilt this year. So seven interceptions, but still giving up 261 yards a game. So as long as you don't turn the ball over, you'll be able to take advantage of their defense. So there we go. Uh, Kind of highlight players there for Vanderbilt. Florida, I think, should be able to have a balanced attack. I think this will tell me a, a good bit. We don't know if Wilson plays, even though he's on the depth chart. That opens up some things if he does. Burke being back, uh, Billy Napier did say earlier this week, Marcus Burke should be back at receiver as well. He did some nice things in the spring game. We saw it again versus Utah in the opening game of the season. Maybe he could be a little deeper threat, take the place of a Caleb Douglas. He can do those things, but also he showed some he shows some toughness in being able to catch balls in traffic in the spring game against Utah as well, catch and run ability versus Utah as well. So I'm ready to see if Marcus Burke is healthy, if he can be more of an option. Pair that with Pearsall. Pair that with Wilson. Maybe this passing game can open up a bit, but I do think it's going to take the full complement. It can't be what we saw last week. I don't think Florida needs to rely on Khalil Jackson to open up this passing game. Now, granted, he got open last week. I'm just talking on a consistent basis. I want to see it from an Andy Gene, a Marcus Burke. We saw Gene be targeted, and I think he's six for six, six targets and six catches this year, if I remember off the top of my head right. 
Pair that with what we saw from, you know, Pearsall can't be the focus. Kentucky focused on him, took him away. He had a touchdown last week, but three, three targets, three catches. He's by far and away the most targeted receiver this year. If you get Burke back, if you get Wilson back, I think that shores up a bit for the Gators to start spreading the ball out to other playmakers besides Ricky Pearsall. So do we see that versus Vanderbilt? This is the perfect defense to figure that out, figure that out against. Do they decide to open it up? Can they decide to open it up? A lot of that's on the offensive line as well. A lot of that's on Graham Mertz to let go of the ball, see the routes opening up. So it's not one consistent issue with being able to pass the ball and pass the ball down the field. Hopefully Florida can take advantage of a defense that they should be able to take take advantage of. Find your answers this weekend. But of course, you'll get the run game going. as well. I mean, I would love a balanced attack. For Florida. Now, don't get me wrong. If you show the propensity to be able to run for 300 yards, great. To go out there and throw for 300 yards, that's great as well. But I think we know both sides, passing and rushing, need to be there for the game. We need to see a little more. Now, ETN being out, that could hurt. It's a lot of the rush game production. It may force Florida to throw the ball more. It may force Florida to spread the Vanderbilt defense out. So that's a storyline to watch as we go in the health status of ETN, and if he plays, doesn't play, how much does it affect the game plan for Billy Napier? All right, with all that said, hard to get a read on this Gator team. It really is. You guys know I haven't been not been great at picking this team this year. Picked them versus Utah. That was a loss. Picked them uh, to lose versus Tennessee. They win that game. Uh, pick them to beat Kentucky, and that doesn't happen. So, definitely going to victory here for the Gators. Florida plays their game. Look, if you start looking at the ceilings of both teams here, Florida's ceiling is higher than Vanderbilt's ceiling. Florida should win this game. I do have it 31-13. Surprisingly, I do have the Gators getting up around 30 points. Vanderbilt's defense is bad. They should be able to take advantage. Now, if Barber's out and Guacan's out and ETN's out, you know, all three of those guys questionable, that can change some things, of course. If I knew that for sure, I don't think I'd be picking in this 31-point range. I'd probably will it down to 27, maybe even down to 24. I mean, that's some key cogs of your offense. I'm going to assume those guys play. I'm going to assume Wilson is back in the lineup. 31-13 Florida. And unfortunately, a loss will tell me more than a win. Unfortunately, you know, this is one where I need to see the culture, the resolve shine through. Eventually, all this off-field culture that we hear about and things are different and players care about each other and all that. We need to eventually see that bleed out on the field. We need to see this team be ready to play. If you're not ready to play this Saturday for what would be the third week in a row, I got some questions. We already know the questions are mounting. But if you're not up at home, if you're not up to take care of that embarrassment that was last week, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong with the, the process of what's going on. Billy Napier has praised practice yesterday and today. This team needs to be ready to play. I need to see all that good talk, all that good feeling bleed over into on the field. Go look like you want to play a game. Be ready in every phase, and that goes for the coaches, and that goes for the players. Be ready to play a game. Be ready to coach a game. The key statement, you heard Billy Napier earlier in the SEC teleconference, something I took away from it today. I think sometimes as coaches, we have to look in the mirror and say, hey, if the student hasn't learned, then the teacher hasn't taught. That's a powerful statement. If there's some, if there's some effect in those words, we should start seeing it on Saturday. We absolutely should. In a game, you should win. You know, eventually execution can fall back on the coaches if the lack of execution is repetitive. I think that starts with the players, but if it's over and over again, if it's different players, if it's the same player over and over again, eventually it out falls on the coaches. So this team needs to be ready to play. It starts up top. We need to see this team go out there and put, put together a game, and I think we will. I think we will. I do think this team will be ready to play. There's no way of knowing that. It's my guess. I think... Unfortunately, you would have hoped Utah was a wake-up call. I think last week was a wake-up call, especially on defense uh, a bit, probably not quite as good as you thought. I do 
chalk that up as to more of a bad day, a bad performance, credit to Kentucky first. I don't see that being repetitive. So I think the defense will be there. This is a defense for Vanderbilt that Florida's offense should be able to take advantage of. 31-13 Gators. That's where I got this one. But of course, that's me not not factoring in injuries too much. If there's a mass number of injuries, and for those key cogs I mentioned, then I think we could uh, we can lower down the score uh, for the Gators. Like I said, most of them on offense, of course, with Barber, Aguakin, Etn. Not a lot on defense. Most of your injury questions are on offense. Uh, so I think the Gator defense. They play a they play a good game. Florida should be okay, even with the questions on offense and the injuries. But the margin for error, pretty small, with a questionable barber, a guacan, and etn. So it gives Montreal Johnson more carries. Find a way to get him in the groove. I mean, in numbers say, and I know not everything's about numbers. He did play better than ETN. Had a higher yards per carry. I just do think the home run threat there was with ETN. You get the ball in his hands. It's there. Or more chances are there. But I think Florida still needs both. If ETN's not out there, they're going to need both Johnson and Webb. All right. Every time I think it's going to be a shorter episode, I was like, hey, this is going to be like 30 minutes. There we are, 45 minutes. I didn't even think I repeated myself all too much, but <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Um, G, I'm going to say Gmail CGS, if that's probably the best way for me to put it. Whoa, Dave, super optimistic. Napier offense break 30 points. Yeah, maybe I'm still a little more hopeful than I should be. I did wrestle with that. I, I broke it down into, I think Florida can put four touchdowns on the board and a field goal. I mean, that's where the 31 comes from, comes from for me. So that's the way I see it break out. Hopefully this team moves on, moves forward. Um, Stafford or M. Stafford, what's wrong with ETN? I don't know. I, I will ask around. I was trying to do some episode prep before this. Did catch me off guard a bit with him listed on the depth chart. Uh, I'll see. Uh, it may be out there already. I, I have no idea of what the specific issue is. I know Napier would not go into it in the press conference uh, there. So we'll see. Of course, he was able to, to finish the Kentucky game last week unless something happened in practice uh, Sunday or yesterday or maybe even today. Uh, but I'll try. Maybe follow me on the, on socials or if you're on Gators Breakdown Plus, I'm sure. Um yeah, you know, we'll 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 get the info there. If it's out there. If it's out there. Uh good point for Brian Korth. Uh brings this up and I, and I think I brought it up earlier in the episode. Florida should have beat Vanderbilt last year. Florida was a better team. Florida Florida's ceiling last year was better than Vanderbilt's ceiling last year. Vanderbilt beat Kentucky. They beat Florida at the end of last year. We won't gloss over that. I mean, even if you want to throw in why this team should be ready for this game this week, maybe. I know it sounds crazy. Revenge versus Vanderbilt for last year, uh, but it could be there. Uh, but, you know, as I said, this game's at home. That last year was on the road. We know about the road issues for Florida. But, yeah, I never would have picked Vanderbilt to beat Florida last year. I'm not picking them to beat Florida this year. Things, as I'm saying, I, I will learn a lot more, sadly, about a loss than I will have, uh, a win. I mean, a loss here is so detrimental. It halts almost every bit of progress that you can discuss about this team. You cannot lose this game. It's already noise in the system. Lose this one and see what happens. I'm not saying what happens in firing or anything like that. No, but you want to lose a large part of the fan base? Lose to Vanderbilt two years in a row. After you now, you've lost to Kentucky three years in a row. It can't happen. doesn't need to happen. I don't think it will happen. Hopefully we're not coming here on Sunday talking about that. I'd be at a, almost a loss for words <laughs> with that. I've covered, some, I've covered some ugly losses, of course. And two years ago, Dan Mullen and, and the way that ended and him getting fired, um, this, would be, this would be worse. Now, Napier wouldn't be getting fired in year two off of that, but it would. what would the signal be? I mean, there's no defense in it. You can't tell me, oh, this is a young team. I, I'm not buying that this game. 
I'm not. Absolutely not. You have to go play well. You have to go win this game. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hopping in. I'll quickly skim my nose. I'm trying to get off here. Steven says, yeah, if we play flat, play flat, and Vandy stays in the game with us, I'll be highly disappointed just for the fact that these boys should have a chip on their shoulders heading into the weekend. That's where I'm at. I mean, I... It's time to get this team fired up. This team needs to be fired up. Last week was so disheartening. You've got you've got to want to bounce back from that. That's where that's where I see it. You've got to want to bounce back. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hopping in. <laughs> I'll be sure Ray Davis is going. Yeah, thankfully. Um, you know, he ran over Florida last year. We're well, not over Florida, but he ran for a good bit of yards against Florida last year as the Vanderbilt running back. Uh, did it last week, and now as a Kentucky running back. Uh, so, but yeah, thankfully he's not. Uh, we we'll have to play him again. Harrison brings up a good point and talking going back and talking about Mertz. We can't let Mertz get beat up again like we did against Charlotte. Let's keep him clean and wipe the floor with Vandy. And that, I mean, that's why I don't think it's just as easy as, and I, and I know the message is out there of, hey, let's just open up the offense. You know, the, we, like the, we like the playmakers at receiver. I do too. Mertz is completing a high percentage of passes, but he's been hesitant to throw the ball down the field, and I do think that could be part of the offensive line. Now, can Napier adjust his play calling? Can he call shorter routes, routes that, doesn't, that don't take as long to develop to help the offensive line? But if you want to go down the field, you need the blocking. You need the blocking up front. Not everything can just be dink and dunk. Not everything can be just get the ball out of his hands. I think that could be the majority of the passing game. Could be the majority of getting the ball in Pearsall's hands and letting him do something after the catch. If Wilson's back in the game, him him as well. But if you're going to be able to take your deep shots and you want to be able to maybe live on going down the field, it starts up front. It starts with the offensive line. And as you mentioned, he got beat up versus Charlotte. And if we come right away and he's taking five, six hits versus Vanderbilt, that's a problem in and of itself. I'm not so sure the offensive line is consistent enough to if if if, if the choice is to open up the offense, if it's even there. That's my biggest worry. All right. All right, all right, guys. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Florida, Vanderbilt, this Saturday in the swamp, back at home. Hopefully the Gators give us a good performance. We can talk about it all on Sunday. Hey, big thanks also one more time. Gator Club of Historic St. Augustine. Spoke with that group on Tuesday evening. Had a great time down there in St. Augustine. A lot of fun. A lot of good question and answer session there with the Gator Club of Historic St. Augustine. My good friend Ray, uh, part of that, hooked me up with that. So everybody, if you're in the state of Florida or wherever you're at, you know, big cities around there, you know, check out your, your favorite Gator Club's. Uh, there to do a lot of work of creating scholarship opportunities uh, for for uh, students out there to attend the University of Florida. Had a great time with, with that group on Tuesday night. So big thanks to them. Love doing those type of things uh, with the Gator Clubs out there. So Gator Club of Historic St. Augustine, thank you very much. So and everybody out there, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>